Good morning, everyone. Or I should, I should. It depends on when you're listening to this, you know. Yeah. We'll get right into it with our special guest, Aaron Kelly, coming up next. Then around minute 16, The Suicide Squad. Around minute 31, Annette. Around minute 41, Vivo. Around minute 49, Nine Days. Around minute 56, The Sound of Music at the Muni. Around one hour and two minutes, news about South Park and behind the music on Paramount+. Plus. Around one hour and eight minutes, Modern Love is getting a second season. Around one hour and 11 minutes, Fleetwood Mac rumors on PBS. And then around one hour and 13 minutes, the theater roundup, including Art and Othello from St. Louis Shakespeare Company. Well, Carl, have you been to Hannibal, Missouri ever? I, I have been. My daughter did a swim meet up there. They have amazing little breweries. And of course, you do all the Mark Twain. I mean, actually went there first when I was a child and I actually did the uh, Tom Sawyer painting of the fence thing. Aha. Uh -huh. Well, they have a thriving theater scene. In the past couple of years, I've known people from St. Louis and they've gone to do productions at Hannibal's Bluff City Theater. Very uh, fine work. We had Colin Healy on who did that show, Madam, started yes. in Hannibal. And uh, we have our guest, Aaron Kelly, who moved to Hannibal in 2019 and has formed the Gilden Age Theater. And she is doing a one woman show on one of my heroes, Molly Brown, mm -hmm. who survived the Titanic. That was the first ever musical I was ever in, The Unsinkable Molly Brown. So she is in a show called Margaret, The Incredible Molly Brown. Good morning, Erin. Good morning, Lynn. Thank you for having me. Well, thank you for joining us. Tell us about your show and when can people see it? Well, we opened on Wednesday. We are running August 4th through September 24th. Performances are Wednesdays through Saturdays at three o'clock. Um, I'm very excited about this show. Um, I wanted to form a company for my solo work and found that I had the time during COVID to do so. I used that time productively and formed Gilded Age Stage for my solo work. Mark Twain coined the term the Gilded Age um, to represent the late 1800s when the wealth of a few thinly gilded the reality of most, poverty, racial injustice. And of course, we're still facing those issues today. Leave it to Twain to still be relevant. So I plan to represent people from both ends of the spectrum as the company moves forward. And when planning, whom should I start with? It was a no brainer to start with Margaret Tobin Brown, one of Hannibal's own. Um, I think that the information that is generally known about her is very limited to she survived the Titanic. And then of course the caricature, to be honest, that we find in the stage and film versions of the unsinkable Molly Brown. The film is very entertaining. I love Debbie Reynolds, but unfortunately the film did not portray her accurately. She was an amazing activist, philanthropist, uh, worked a great deal for the women's suffrage movement. And as we all know, history is often selective. And I find this is often true with also women's history. So I hope people come away with 
seeing Margaret Tobin Brown, and I call her Margaret now because that was the name she was born with and known her entire life. Her family called her Maggie. The people who wrote the unsinkable Molly Brown are the ones who gave her the name Molly because it was easier to sing, if you can believe it. So I hope wow. You know, yeah. Well, that's a that's a Broadway nugget. There you go. So I hope people come away uh, finding her to be a complete and complex person who did so much wonderful work for workers' rights, children's rights, women's rights, and I I just think she is an incredible representative of not only American history, Hannibal history, but women's history. Well, that's wonderful. I keep, uh, a good friend of mine lives in Hannibal and I keep saying I'm going to come up and visit. So I definitely have to mark this. Well, you are familiar with playing strong women because you had written a, a, a personal sh one woman show. And I want you to talk about that. But also the last time I saw you on stage was at Upstream Theater and you played Susan B. Anthony. Oh, that was such a thrill. I just became such an incredible fan of Susan B. Anthony. And she was another example for me as I think most people have a very limited view of her. I think they think of her as a little old lady in a black dress and a white collar instead of all the incredible work she did from a very early age. It was a thrill to work with Upstream for the first time. It was one of my goals as an actor to work with my friend Jay Samuel Davis whom I've been friends with a long time and we had never had the opportunity to work together. So it was just a thrill. What was the name of that show? The Agitators. Oh, that's right. And he played Frederick Douglass. Yes. And, so and he's, about he, yeah, he's one of the best actors in town. Carl, he was in King Lear. He was the servant. Yes, so and you had mentioned my other solo show, um, Portrait of My People, and that is a show that I wrote about 10 years ago. Um, I am an enrolled member of the Cherokee Nation in Shawnee, a direct descendant of Tecumseh. And wow. when my thanks, I'm glad people know Tecumseh, they should, <laughs> um, and I hope they do. Um, my former husband, Larry Mabry, and I have uh, founded and managed Avalon Theater Company in St. Louis for some time. And we were looking to do an educational outreach production. Um, we wanted to do something that we hadn't seen before, uh, content we hadn't seen before. And there is very little native programming. You know, we're still trying to get more native programming out there. Um, and I surely was not seeing any Native programming about what it was like and what it is like to be a Native person in contemporary America. Um, people still think of Native people in the past. So I wrote Portrait of My People originally as a production for young audiences, but it has gained a, a huge adult following, I'm happy to say. Um, and I do plan to do it at Gilded Age. Um, hopefully this fall, we're seeing how schedules work out, but I'm hoping to get that going again and get it into a new region by being in Hannibal. Now, Erin, you've worked in St. Louis and Chicago and New York City, and normally the question would be, what is different about Hannibal, but what is actually the same about Hannibal with all those major cities? I think there is a great love of the arts here. 
Um, like you, I had come to Hannibal as a child. I'm originally from Tulsa, Oklahoma, but grew up in Southern Illinois. And our family would come to Hannibal every few years and, and see all the Twain attractions and, and loved it. But the first time I spent any extended period of time here was in 2016 when I did another solo show, which I did not write, it was written by another playwright um, at Bluff City Theater. And I was here for you know about six weeks and realized what an artistic community this is, which I had not known before, not only in theater, but in all the arts, um, music, visual art. There's a great community of um, visual artists here, uh, painters, potters. Um, the arts community is very supportive. And I just automatically fell into the community and, and we really support each other. It's a nice little town. People, people just think it's one thing, but it, it's, it's not just Twain. I mean, there, there are a lot of Twain things, but there are other things besides just Mark Twain. There sure are. And we are trying to, Trish Gelber of the Molly Brown Birthplace and Museum, which if you come to Hannibal, I hope you visit. It's wonderful. It's her original birthplace and family home. She lived here until she was 18. Trish Gelber is the guide there. And she and I are both on kind of a mission to get more recognition for Margaret Tobin Brown. Of course, we both love Twain and love all of the attractions that focus on him, but we really wish to get Margaret Tobin Brown some more recognition here for her work. Well, she definitely has a story to tell and not just Kathy Bates in Titanic. <laughs> so Even I love Kathy Bates. <laughs> I know, I know. She was, I thought she was great as Wasn't Molly in, uh, in the, the Titanic, but there's more, you're telling us that there's much more to the story. One of the things I like about Hannibal is the Tourism Bureau has really capitalized on the Mississippi River, which I think is genius. And why wouldn't you? And uh, they've really made a push in recent years to attract people. And it's very, it's a very nice day trip or weekend trip. It's not far from St. Louis. Right. It's a two hour drive from Hannibal to St. Louis City. If you li live in Chesterfield or, or West County, it's an even shorter drive. And I've talked to so many friends who said, oh, Aaron, I'd love to see your show, but it's so far away. They're thinking it's like a four or five hour drive. It's only two. And it goes by so quickly. Um, and you're right about the Visitors Bureau. They are wonderful. And one thing I really appreciate about them is that they always send their staff to see the shows here early on so that when they are talking to visitors and suggesting activities, they can recommend our shows based on what they've seen. And I really appreciate that. Well, that, that's, that's wonderful. This has been a hard time for people, but a nice little day trip. You won't have to deal with airports and unruly passengers. And, uh, and is there an Amtrak that goes to uh, Hannibal if you don't want to drive on your own? There is a train that goes to Quincy and Quincy is about 17 miles away. Um, so hopefully you could get an Uber or make other arrangements to get here, but um, if you can make the drive, it's very enjoyable. That's right. The uh, Quincy University is where a bunch of my high school friends went. So 
Oh, very familiar. Sister. It's right across the, it's right across the river. Yes, river. it is. Sister cities in a way. So what else, uh, after Molly Brown, do you have anything that you're going to do, right? What are you going to do your one woman show? Well, I'm looking at really now that I've birthed, this has been a birth, I feel, birthing the company and Molly or Margaret. Um, my next step starting today is looking at a portrait of my people uh, timeline. Um, nothing is firmed up yet. I'm hoping to run it in November. Um, people always want Native programming for Native Heritage Month. And that's a wonderful thing, but I always tell people, hey, we're available all year, <laughs> but it seems like everybody wants, a, wants that in November. So I think that would be a wonderful time to do portrait. And then oh, yeah. I'm thinking in the spring of next year, launching You Caught Me Dancing, which is an adaptation I did of a solo show about Katie Leary, who I had never heard of. And this is one thing I love, especially about solo work, is getting people's stories out there in a very complete and more complete way than you could in a larger cast play. Katie Leary was a real person. As much as I thought I knew about Twain, I had never heard of her. She was the servant, nanny, caregiver to the Clemens family for 30 years. She started as a seamstress and ladies maid and she was just so beloved. She became the children's nanny. She took care of uh, Mrs. Clemens when she became ill and she was just an incredible member of that family. They considered her a part of their family. And she so wrote I a book about it. She did. Actually, it was written by a person she knew. And there's a little bit of controversy about that book because um, Mary Lawton was her name. Uh, some people feel that Mary kind of put a little bit of her or more than a little bit of her own twist on that and that it may not have been completely Katie's words. Mm. So I guess we'll never know. But it is a, a really good read. And of course, I used it for my research and preparation to do that show. Well, you can find out more about Aaron, and it's Aaron Kelly with an EY. It's the Protestant version of that. Uh, Aaron Kelly actor.com. Or if you want to find out more about Gilded Age Stage, go to gildedagestage.com. Correct? That's correct. Thanks, Carl. You're welcome. Now, is it the Planters Barn Theater? It's now through September 24th. Thank you so much. Well, thanks for joining us today. We really look forward to seeing it and hearing more about what you're up to. I appreciate it so much. Both of you take care. Thank thanks. you, Erin. Thanks for being Thank on. You. Break a leg. Have a great day. Thank you. <laughs> Break bye -bye. a leg. Bye. I like her. Yeah, she's really fun. I saw her in uh, stage plays when she moved back here in St. Louis. She's been nominated for a Theater Circle Award. Yes, she has. And she's very good. And uh, I can say that uh, to her face. Well, she's a Kelly girl. So, of course, she has red hair. That's funny. Yes. And then she... Uh, uh, she's from Mount Vernon, I believe, mm -hmm. and I think she has gone to schools with her program, and so she's just led an interesting life. She wasn't going to let the pandemic get her down, and she was unemployed and figuring, what am I going to do, and she came up with this. She figured it out.
All right, Lynn, should we talk about the movie that I was told not to see or the movie that everyone's going to see? We should start off with our native St. Louis and James, James a.k.a. Jamie Gunn. So I thought I, you know, I I was reading the credits and I'm like, oh, well, of course, he's going to have his brother in there. And then I didn't realize who Sean Gunn was, a friend of mine. I've, I've known Sean for many years, interviewed him a couple times. And, oh, I have a picture of us together. I should put that up on something. But you should. He, he does not, uh, because he's such a big part of the Guardians of the Galaxy universe, he couldn't really be Sean Gunn. So the way that they used him is fantastic in this movie. And I think, that, I mean, I, I'm sticking with local because Suicide, I'm sorry, hold on. I already said it wrong. The Suicide Squad is out in theaters now and on HBO Max for the next 30 days. And not to be confused with the ninth, the 2016 version that we hated well, called that's, that's Suicide, Suicide Squad. Squad. Right. This that's has my, got this the, the, the. Right. it's not really a remake, it's it's somewhat of a, get a soft reboot. They, yes. They're not disavowing the original Suicide Squad. In fact, there are three original members of the Suicide Squad in the Suicide Squad, but they right. don't mention Will Smith's dead shot at all. No. Uh, Jai, Jai Courtney as Captain Boomerang is in it and Colonel Rick Flagg is in it. And of course, Joel Harley Kinnaman. Quinn. Yeah. Yes. And then of course, yeah, uh, Margot Robbie. Robbie, who's fantastic, and then Viola Davis. So there's she's yeah, but, yeah, the, but she's she she's was the, the government agent. Yeah, she was Amanda Waller, and yes. um, our buddy Jim Batts was talking to me about this, and he said this is the first time uh, DC has used other properties in their uh, DC universe because DC, when when a little itty bitty independent comic goes out of business dc scoops in and buys it up right now uh so let's start with some positives uh the suicide squad what one of the main things i hated about suicide squad the original one and you have quoted me often on this is how they used music for emotion james gunn as we have learned through guardians of the galaxy series he knows how to use music and doesn't just do a needle drop for a needle drop he really considers placing the music and the music in the suicide squad is a thousand times better than the music in suicide squad yeah well he directed uh, the guardians of the galaxy one and two which is known for its music and so i i knew that he was going to have a good soundtrack here he imbued he made his reputation although we know him from st louis for his previous works that cemented his reputation and then dc came to him about suicide squad so this one is not as playful as his trademarks in guardians because these are super villains homicidal maniacs yes it is and, it is hard r if you yes. think you're going to take your kid to a a a marvel or even DC. This is not like Shazam. This is not like the MCU. This is, my wife said, it's even out Tarantinoing Tarantino because it is violent. It is bloody. There are exploding heads. It is not 
it's more Deadpool than MCU, but it's a Tarantino version of Deadpool. It's really gory. It is really gory. And I, uh, the carnage, the body count is phenomenal. Yeah. I mean, just off the charts. But the exploding heads, there's a scene where Margot Robbie uses a javelin as a shish kebab. Mm -hmm. And there are all sorts of slicing and dicing. And it's right up close. And I was had to turn my head away a couple of times. But what really gets me, just like Idris Elba's character, Bloodsport, I don't like rats. Well, who <laughs> likes rats? It's and Robert a rat catcher uh, calls thousands of them to wreak havoc. Now but she's rat, rat catcher the second because her father, I'm not giving away that. There, there are a lot of uh, James Gunn, uh, 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 what am I looking for? James Gunn players in this movie. They, they're part of the troupe. They're like Nathan Fillion is in it for a little bit because Nathan Fillion was in one of the first James Gunn movies ever made. So he, and if we already talked about his brother. There are little Easter eggs that James Gunn puts in these films. And it's really, I, I, I what they have done is made a fun, but very, very gory DC movie and it's not as dark as that was that's what the thing is you get MCU is light and DC is dark this is a mixture of the two but it is still it is it's still not for kids and as our friend uh, as our friend Jim Batts who I, I he and I talked about this yesterday for a while that's why I keep mentioning him Jim said it seems that the MCU has been holding James Gunn back because if this is what he wanted to do when he was temporarily fired from the MCU, it was probably um, for not being able to do things like he wanted to do in this movie. Yeah. Now let's backtrack a little bit. Uh, okay. The government uses these criminal masterminds to on these do or die missions, hence the name, the Suicide Squad. It was a comic book. It's cartoonish, but it, like you said, it has more violence streak. So they set up this squad. At first, we have this mission that goes horribly wrong with these secondary characters, including Pete Davidson as Blackguard and Michael Rooker as- uh, Another one of James Gunn's stable cast of characters. Right. And so you see all these secondary characters and he said he wanted to do that because the comic book had more of that feel of the secondary characters. And then we're introduced to Harley Quinn who has her own storyline and then Idris Elba and jo uh, John Cena is Peacemaker. Oh, John and, Cena is so good. Yes. And then the polka dot man is interesting very mm -hmm. interesting because mo most people make fun of this guy but like i said before they are not superheroes these are homicidal maniacs these are people that uh have uh, they're lethal they have no qualms about killing what's that line that john cena says he's all for peace and he'll kill everybody to get it or he'll kill every man <laughs> woman and child to get peace Right. So there you so, go. Uh, po the polka dot man is uh, David Das Mouch. I'm, I'm saying his name wrong. 
David Desmelchian. And you've seen him before. He's like one of those guys. I mean, right. he he's he's done theater. He's done uh, Tennessee Williams and Sam Shepard. So he he's also he's also another guy that has been in uh, the MCU in both Ant-Man movies. Aha, uh-huh. I knew he looked familiar. And then the Ratcatcher 2, Cleo, the girl that wants to sleep all the time, she is Daniela uh, Melchior. Yeah, they and never so, they never explain why she wants to be asleep all the time. No, just like uh, John Cena's is millennials. But they are dropped on a fake uh, South American Country. island, mm-hmm. Corto Maltese, where these, uh, we have two warring factions. We have a political takeover. And we also have a mad scientist, the guy with the little spikes coming out, who's who's in Doctor Who, Peter that, Capaldi. That's Peter Peter Capaldi, and he was the twelfth uh, Doctor. And and if people also know him from his, he's more like his television character when he had the filthy mouth than he is Doctor Who. And he's also not necessarily well. You could say that none of these people are heroes, that because. It, they're all villains. It's it's a villains movie. Yes. Well, uh, this guy is bonkers because he is a mad scientist, just like when we were kids, all those movies with mad scientists. But it does get a little silly. This is what because I was laughing about this with Ray Hartman last night. I said it becomes like Godzilla, Stay Puff Marshmallow Man because this giant starfish. Star they of call the Conqueror. That? Yeah, J, uh, J, uh, Kaiju, is that what they Kaiju, call yeah, those that, creatures? Yeah, that, it's just a giant monster, yeah. But he's been around in the DC universe since the 50s. Okay, well, I'm not familiar with these comic books, so I just listen. And so it's uh, they have thousands of starfishes that uh, have an eye in the center, and they fall from the sky and attach them to these military guys, like the alien in uh, the first movie, uh, which, uh, you know, like right. on the face. With and so, hive, hive Mind Collective. Yeah. Right. And so, it just gets really good. But I had to turn away. And oh, we forgot Sylvester Stallone. Sylvester Sylv- Stallone is King Shark. Now, th- this is not the King Shark from the Flash TV series. This is a King Shark because the King Shark in the Flash CW TV series is very smart and very mind control and tele- telepathic and, and not just a brutal beast. This one is Sylvester Stallone dumb. And 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 it's a it's a testament to Sylvester Stallone that makes you like King Shark, just like Vin Diesel as Groot. I give very big props to James Gunn for getting these characters that you shouldn't care about that, you know, it's a a marvel of CG, but it's really you really like King Shark. Yeah, well, he's a meathead and he talks in monosyllables. And it's yeah. funny, he's trying to read a book, but it's upside down and, and everybody's cool. looking at him and it's just, it is a, a blood splattered movie that's going to make at least $30 million. But it's funny. Did you laugh? I laughed out loud several times, but sometimes I, I was laughing because of the absolute absurdity of it. Yeah, it is. Um, he goes for broke. Let's put it like that. Well, also, and- also, we, we must we must mention that we've mentioned a lot of names and not all of them make it. Some of them don't make it in the first half hour. 
it's very uh, when there is something like this and there are a lot of names attached, not everybody's going to make it. And I would imagine a lot of the people, and I'm not even going to give a percentage. I was also going to say how many, but there are some surprises in the film. And I believe some people will be shocked, especially how much time Pete Davidson took off of SNL just so he can be in this movie for a little bit. Aha. Uh -huh. Well, yeah. And then uh, the uh, you have to wait for the credits. There's two. You have to wait. Well, no, no. There's... One one is right after. One's immediately after. But there is one at the very, 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 very end that leads up to a sequel, which I don't think uh, Disney will let James Gunn do, even though this one is because they had fired him for, you know, some offensive things that he had done in the past that he has already apologized and they've already made good and he's he has i think they're finished with guardians volume three already i think they are well well but he, this is do you would you like more of this in the mcu or are you just fine with it staying in this dc property i'm fine with it staying in the dc property kent my colleague at the webster kirkwood times hated this movie hmm. hated it basically wrote that it was a waste of his time and I, but I, I like the, to me, the bright spot is Margot Robbie as Haley, Harley Quinn. Well, she has, it's, it's, this is more like the Harley Quinn cartoon series with the violence and it is cartoon violence, but it is very violent. And she has a wonderful scene where she's singing Louis Prima. That is a great scene for her. The fact that uh, she's uh, she's being courted by the the, the head the guy. president of yeah. the uh... yeah that is is uh, uh, really fun she has uh, she really has fun playing Harley Quinn and she of course had her own movie Birds of Prey but she's really uh, come into her own as this character and uh, you know she looks like a Barbie doll and then is as lethal as a serial killer. Yes, but because, you know, the Joker drove her insane. Now, this movie is two hours and 20 minutes long. There is about a big period of, uh, since there are a lot of stunts and there are a lot of uh, CGI, there is about eight minutes. So if you're watching it on HBO Max, you could just skip to the last minute if you're watching the credits, even though I do suggest you always sit and watch the credits to see all everyone that is the below the line people because i always do and i always stick around to watch the music and it the music in this is fabulous but it is it's a little bloated in the middle and yeah. and at the end and they i don't know they do the eight minutes ago three days earlier they do that crutch a lot which is good once or twice but they i think they do it three times in this movie yeah, well, James Gunn not only directed it, but also wrote it. So I look forward to seeing the next Gal um, Guardians because I was so taken by them. And uh, of course, uh, ja uh, James is a proud St. Louisan. And uh, yeah. well, it, it's much better than the first one, but it's still it comes with a big red flag warning. Just just like what uh, Harley Quinn says in, in the movie that I I said, if I ever had another boyfriend and I would look for red flags and murdering children is a big red flag. So <laughs> let's now talk about the movie that I was advised not to watch. It got booed at con 
and it is coming off of the Sparks Brothers massively successful documentary that we talked about here a couple weeks ago. The movie that we were looking forward to and then I was told not to watch, Annette. Well, I watched all two hours and 20 minutes of it. It's a why musical. Are these, why are these movies so long? Okay, two of my favorite people. Because it's a play. It's a, it, this is scheduled to be, and most plays are about two hours and 15 minutes, including the intermission. So that, right. it's supposed to be a play. They probably wrote it for the stage and then made a movie out of it. Right, it really should have been theater of the absurd or an experimental film or a concept album. Uh, we fell in love with the Sparks Brothers through the documentary about Ron and Russell Mayle Brothers. And in the documentary, they talk about one of their lifelong dreams was to make a movie. And they were going to make this movie with Leo Scarex, who did the strangest movie I've ever seen called Holy Motors in 2012. He's considered visionary. So you would think that two, because the Sparks Brothers are eccentric too. Very. So you would think three eccentrics working together because Russell wrote this movie besides they did the music. Uh, and the story is from Ron and Russell. It is about fame. It is about love. It is about romance. Comedy. And, uh, it is very dark. While... I would consider Holy Motors a fever dream. This is a nightmare. And this is <laughs> a got, <laughs> If you were at cons, would you have booed? I wouldn't have booed, but I just would have been. You understood? What the, what the F? I mean, I the my review in the Webster Kirkwood Times and on my website, poplifestl.com, and what I said to Ray last night on KTRS, I thought after I saw it, what did I see and how am I going to write about this? It is so bizarre. It's weird. It does have this hypnotic quality about it, but it's, we take Adam Driver, who is always great, immerses himself in everything he does. He is a comedian slash performance artist. Henry who McHenry. Gained, yeah. Who has gained a huge following by being aggressive and antagonistic to his audience and he is known as the ape of God. And he does this shtick. Well, he is in love with one of the sweetest opera singers in the world, Anne, played by Marion Cotillard. And it's such a treat to see her on screen because she doesn't work that much. But when she does, she always plays with such emotional honesty, and he does too. So they are polar opposites, and they are in love and they have a lot of sex scenes and they marry. I, I hear they're awkward sex scenes. They are. It's and weird. they're awkwardly shot as well. Yeah. And uh, they uh, have this song, We Love Each Other So Much, probably a foreshadowing. <laughs> mm -hmm. And then uh, they have a baby. Annette. And the baby is Annette, hence the title. Now, hold on a second. I, I've read reviews. And I got a spoiler on this. Do you think it's okay to talk about the child? I do. I you do. do. I, why, do I, you, I, why do you think it's okay to talk about child? Because that is one of the things that is very shocking in this movie. Well, oh, okay. Uh, but, well, but if you, if you're okay with it, I, I haven't seen it. So I'm not going to say already, too much. I'm not going to say too much about the plot, awful. but yeah. Um, I, 
Okay. The baby is a puppet. Marionette. Yeah, is a marionette. It's a doll baby. It's really creepy. I was <laughs> creeped out. So I guess it is a metaphor. Uh-huh. I guess my brain doesn't work like this. So that I'm enamored with this choice. The baby is a prodigy, sings like uh, well, no, you know, sings like her mother. Sings like an angel because Marion is the singing voice of the marionette. Right. And so it's just really weird. And now, so does it, Adam, marionette, does it have strings or is it just like a Pinocchio kind of thing? It's like a Pinocchio kind of thing. Okay. It has this scene where it's kind of floating above mm -hmm. this audience. It's just weird. So uh, it is. So, but it, uh, hold on a second. I'm just trying to wrap my head around this. It's a baby that as soon as the baby is born, she can sing like an angel at birth. Well, it, it takes when she's two, she's this great star. Oh, okay. So it's yeah, so she's a toddler. She's a toddler when she's uh, Adam Driver's character. Henry has decided to be a Svengali and take her on tour. <laughs> okay yes so we have the stage dad uh well um um henry has fallen out of favor with his audience because he's so hostile towards them mm -hmm. so this is a very a star is born plot he falls from grace and marianne cotillard's character rises because she's so beloved around the world and he can't take this that she's more successful than he is he's very jealous simon helberg that simon helberg from the from big, bang, big theory bang theory is a character just known as the conductor and he is fiercely protective of marianne cotillard and before henry they had a brief relationship and he still carries the torch for her oh so adam driver's jealous of course he and he's uh, he's very, uh, they have one where he's accused of abuse of women, the Me Too thing, and they don't address that ever again. But there's obviously issues here because he is a prime example of toxic masculinity. And so we have that going on. So that's very dark. We enter a dark abyss. Mm. I'm not sugarcoating this at all. And it's just very strange. And the music, now it starts off with this song, So May We Start, and it's the cast. And it goes into this where they're the cast and crew, and then they're walking down the street in Santa Monica, and they become the characters. So it's this hyper-reality, it's this alternative reality, it's very hallucinogenic, but the songs, I was so disappointed in them, because it is a musical, but it's the people singing, but they sing uh, uh, at really odd times, and the music is repetitive. After that, that good start with that song that is catchy, So May We Start, then it, it there's nothing there, there. So. Okay, well... Uh, and and Sparks does have, well, they have cameos in the film too. Yes. Now, uh, this movie is a theaters. Obviously, it's playing art houses. By the way, Leos Carax did win Best Director at Cannes, even though the audience booed. And he did, uh, the movie was up for the Palme d'Or. 
Well, the, and, this is uh, his English language debut. So right. And so he's, a, he's you, a darling over there. Yeah, he is. Well, Holy Motors is one of it's just bat crazy. Yes. So, and but, so yeah. But this is also it's in theaters now, but it's gonna be on Amazon Prime, just like the Sparks Brothers documentary, uh, in uh two weeks. Right. On August 20th, it will be on Amazon. And I think it's going to be quite the conversation starter. I think it's going to be a very polarizing film. I do think in the future, it's going to be this huge cult classic that people will debate in cinematic circles. I think you're either with it or you're not. Okay. But uh, Adam Driver, as usual, is being praised for his performance. One of the uh, one of the things that I'm not happy with is Marion, Oscar winner for Livian Rose, is not used as much. Okay. So, in a two hour and twenty minute film, she's not in it that much. No. Mm -mm. Okay. So, is it basically Adam Driver's movie? Yeah. Okay. He's like a, he's such a tornado in this and, you know, he's so physically imposing and she's this little waif. Mm -hmm. And so it's very noticeable there. Okay. Yeah. So what else did I, that is, I've only seen suicide. I'm dang it. I did it again. I've only seen the suicide squad this week and I was told not to watch. And that uh, I didn't see vivo nine days, John in the hole. Or pooling the paradise. Did you see any of those? I saw Vivo, which started on Netflix today, and I encourage everyone to watch it because it's so bright and cheerful. Oh, that's the Lin Manuel Miranda movie, isn't it? Yes, and uh, as you know, we're huge fans. We're big mm -hmm. fans, and he is not only the author of the song, the music and lyrics. He plays the title character Vivo. And Vivo is a kinkachu. And I didn't know what that was, but it, it, it's a tropical rainforest mammal. And it is in the raccoon family, but it's also known as a honey bear in uh, the tropical rainforest. So uh, he is musically inclined and the pet of Andres. And they perform in the Plaza Vieja in Havana. And so he's Cuba. Cuban. Yeah. And so we're going to have the beautiful colors, the aqua and the hot pinks and the whole background. And the music, of course, is going to have a Latin salsa beat. Plus, it has Lynn Manuel's flair for rap lyrics. And the songs are delightful. So um, Netflix had two things we cannot talk about in the review. So I got a way around. I got to do a way around this. Well, can you the, mention the Guardians of the Galaxy connection to this movie? Uh, no. You can't mention that Zoe Saldana's in the movie? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I can't talk about two plot points. Okay. So, okay. um what it is, is it's a, it becomes this uh, mission for Vivo to deliver a letter to Marta Sandoval or Sandoval. Sandoval. Who, Sandoval, who is a now famous singer in Miami. She is voiced by Gloria Estefan, ah. who has a great song called Inside Your Heart, which you know we're going to see it. Academy Awards. Oscar time. time, yeah. Yeah. And uh, she had invited Andres, her previous, he was her pianist 
back in the day when they were just starting out and she went to Miami and he stayed in Cuba. And uh, so she, he's to him. She's the one that got away. Oh, so uh, Vivo takes off and we're going to Key West, but we also have an Everglades scene. And Michael Rooker is Wait, the didn't we just talk about Michael Rooker I know. half hour I know. ago? Yeah, he's having a moment. Well, some of the animals are fun, like Brian Tyree Henry oh, plays him. a spoonbill. So and there's Nicole this little Byers is his his girlfriend. Yeah, so there, there is uh, okay. So Zoe, Zoe Saldana plays the mother of a very precocious uh, young girl named Gabby. She is very hyper and in your face, and uh, she has purple hair. And she's one of these uh, trying to stand out as a young person, and uh, she doesn't fit the mold. She's a misfit basically. And she attaches herself to Vivo and is going to help him out. And so they journey together. And Gabby at first is a little too much for Vivo to, to take, but they eventually bond and it's fun. It's just fun because this is a kid's movie. This is from Sony Animation. And while of course not as groundbreaking as the Mitchells versus the Machine or their Oscar winner, Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse, it's still a very pleasant, cheerful, bright 99 minutes that you can sit and watch with your children or you can just have a good time i had a ball i love that music well and it's it's, it's snappy. Kurt, kurt d'amico who directed and wrote the first crudes so that i don't know if that is a ringing endorsement or not but he's it's with lin-manuel miranda so yeah. And Vivo, the character, he's got this little teeny hat that he wears. It's very jaunty. And then he has this little scarf and he's just adorable. He's adorable as this creature. Well, and Kiara it, Hughes also wrote the book, well, the screenplay with Kirk, and she wrote the book for In the Heights. So you have really good and just okay. And how is the movie? I enjoyed it. I gave it a B plus. Okay. So I just had fun with it. And I encourage, I told my sister who has a three-year-old, uh, go for it. Because well, Roger Deakins is a consultant, is a visual consultant on it. So, I mean, you don't have, you have a separate cinematographer, but Roger Deakins is a consultant on it. So that's good. I saw that. It's not as detailed, you know, it's not as a wow as a Pixar, but I thought it had some emotional depth. I'm not saying as much as Coco, but I enjoyed it and I enjoy the people. But Lin Manuel Miranda, he's going to have Encanto come out for Disney in November. And uh, he might so be he, competing against himself. Yeah, he's on a roll. Well, now, his, now, I have a, my question is. Since they're in Cuba and they have to get to America, is that a major plot point? Or is it just not, they just go to, go leave Cuba and go to the United States? Well, he has a, he has a few little issues trying to get transportation, but that's, that's funny in itself. That's a, okay. All right. That's a thing, but they, so they're not being political about it. No, no. Cause it is a children's movie movie. Yes. They don't, they don't have uh, politics and world leaders don't, uh, don't enter into this, but it's just really bright and colorful. And there's a song called keep the beat. That's mm -hmm. really fun. 
And uh, there's one, it's about uh, beating to your own drummer. I forget the exact title, but the soundtrack's out today too. And uh, they've real, they dropped, Variety did an article about how they dropped Inside Your Heart with uh, it, this beautiful ballad that Gloria Estefan sings. So, you know, that's going to be heavily uh, pushed for the Oscars. Now, Lin-Manuel Miranda actually does have an Oscar nomination for one of his songs in Moana, which was his first foray into animation. Yes, I did know that. So, yeah. And didn't he write one of the uh, Mary Poppins? He wrote a lot of songs in Mary Poppins Returns, didn't he? Yeah, and he's doing the the uh, live action Little Mermaid. Yes. And so he's, he's, uh, Disney loves him, as you know, uh, mm -hmm. because you're familiar with that. And he's also, besides In the Heights this year, he is also coming out with Tick, Tick, Boom, which is Andrew Garfield as the Jonathan Larson character. That was, this was a musical Jonathan Larson made before Rent, but it's about him struggling as a songwriter in New York. And I've seen the previews. I don't know if you have uh, seen the trailer and it's fantastic looking. So he's on a roll. Now, um, Mark Shaman was nominated for an Oscar for The Place Where Lost Things Go, but I don't know if Lin-Manuel Miranda was on the, uh, wrote any songs for that then. I'm now... Now I'm, if he was just a hired gun actor. Yes, Bert. Yeah. Well, no, he wasn't Bert. He was an apprentice of Bert. Oh yeah, I know. Well, he was Jack. He was chimney sweep. <laughs> right. So, oh. all right. So let's move on. Um, we didn't see nine days. Oh no, I did. I watched did it last night. I was days. up. I was up. Uh, yeah. Late. Um, I watched it. And I will say, based on all the other ones, because Annette and Su the Suicide Squad are very bombastic. This is a very quiet movie, indie, and it is uh, metaphysical. Okay. This is a new world. This was in Sundance 2020. Wow. This is a director named Edson Oda. He is Brazilian, now uh, living in America, and he went to USC, and this is his first feature. He's known for music videos and uh, some shorts. Well, anyway, Winston Duke is in a role that you've never seen him in. He's thoughtful. He's contemplative. He speaks in hushed tones, and this is where it gets a little complicated. It is a alternate or a parallel universe or okay. something where he is sitting in a room full of TV screens, taking notes about the people that he's watching. One of the people he's watching has, uh, has died. He was very attached to this person. And so it is his job to fill the vacancy. And what I mean by that is, he is the gatekeeper. He is a guy who decides on who, what soul gets to live as a human being. So for nine days, he is going to interview candidates to become human. 
their souls. They're fully formed adults, but they have never lived in the real world. So these characters include Tony Hale. From Arrested Development and Veep. Yes. And Zazie Beetz, who's yeah. wonderful. And uh, she's from Atlanta. Well, the, the TV show Atlanta. Dave, Donald Glover's Atlanta. And she was in Joker. And uh, she's in a lot of indie movies. And Bill Skarsgård, the evil clown of It. And also in uh, the, uh, that, that Netflix movie that, about uh, the dead is where. So this is a very high concept. And this is world. Benedict Wong is Winston Duke's assistant. And he's never lived. He's just a soul. And it's in this house that is isolated. Uh, it's built on a salt flat. I don't know. So this is Utah. And the people come to the house. They stay at the house. He gives them exercises to do. And he makes them watch people live in their lives. And he narrows it down to, you know, a couple people. But the other ones that are rejected, they take it very horribly but what they do is they concoct a moment for them so they can experience what life would be like so it's like yeah it's like a final wish like this one lady they put her on a bicycle and they do the the, uh, virtual going through a city like she's riding through a, a city and one guy uh wants to be at the ocean and so they have sand and he feels sand and he feels the water and the waves. And so because they disappear if they're not picked to be humans. So isn't that a bizarre concept? But it, it works. It's a beautifully done film. It, it won the uh, screenwriting award at Sundance last year. So, yeah, this guy's going to be one of these darlings, you know, Edison people, Oda. Yeah. Oh, no, I'm people, sorry. Edson. There's no I. Edson Oda. And so people are going to be expecting big things from him. But Winston Duke, who was in Us and Black Panther, this is a very different part for him. Good. Yeah. So it's it's different. Yeah, I started having too many questions and I was like, just shut your brain off and pay attention (laughs) because you start going, well, how can they do this? And and if they haven't lived, they they can't. Yeah. And Will has lived before. So he understands that experience. So he's rather wistful and mournful. And uh, there's there's some back things going on with him. And then Benedict Wong, they get into fights because Ben, because Will's always saying, well, you don't know, you've never been alive. So it's kind of like a John Paul Sartre, no exit. And then Mm -hmm. Michelle Gondry, the eternal sunshine of the spotless mind. Yeah. So it has it has that kind of feel to it, but it's very quiet. And Spike Jones is an executive producer on the film. I know when I saw that, I went, whoa, yeah. So as much as we don't have too much movies and I will get to the other ones next week. I just wait a minute. You've seen four movies this week. That is that is a lot. I know, but I wanted to see Jack in the Hole and also this one that I was set called Pooling, uh, Pooling, uh, Pooling in Paradise. All right. And so it's got me- Jonathan Litnicki in it. Oh, yeah. What's they sent it to me because I was so kind about their movie 
the paper tigers. Uh, by the way, the paper tigers was was that kung fu movie that I right. read about because it was such a throwback to the nineties. It is going to be on Netflix. Oh, good. Yeah. And Pig, which I raved about a couple of weeks ago, is now on video on demand. That's that was quick turnaround. These windows are getting shorter and shorter. They are. So, Carl, have you been watching the Olympics? Um, I've had it on and off. I've done some, my daughter's out of town at camp. So I've been we've been we went to the we went to Star Wars night, which did not end well. I saw the world's tallest Ewok. Uh, because he was like five foot tall. If you're going to be an Ewok, don't be five feet tall. You can be a small Wookiee. Don't be an Ewok. Um, we went to Foo Fighters the other night. We went, How was that? Oh, Foo Fighters was fantastic. And Dave Grohl always puts on a good show. But the reason I uh, didn't get to see a lot of these movies and the reason you didn't get to see these others movies is because you, I was at Foo Fighters and you were at Sound of Music. How was Sound of Music at the Muni? Well, people love this. This might be the most beloved musical of all time. Even though it's 100% false and none of it happened. (laughs) Well, I actually read the backstory. There's a little bit of stuff, but uh, I read uh, parts of of her book. Well, anyway, The Sound of Music, the audience, you could just feel the joy. It was a big, it was an over 7,000 crowd. It was like 7,500, I think. And people anticipated this and you know everybody in the audience knew the words this is how beloved this musical is i was in the woman's restroom before the show started and a little girl who had to be eight nine ten who clearly wasn't alive the last time this was at the muni in 2010 she was singing so long farewell of leader saying goodbye before taking her seat so you know that families were there. It's a family tradition. Uh, it's been at the Muni 10 other times. The, the woman playing Maria is fantastic. She is Kate Rockwell, and she was Belle in Beauty and the Beast. And she was also Jane in Tarzan. And she is a perfect Maria. Every Those kids steal the show, as you know. Elizabeth Teeter, who is Muni Royalty, because her dad is Lara. She is Liesel. And of course, she's great. But all the kids, oh, the little girl is Kate Scarlett Keppel, uh, Gretel. And she just steals everybody's heart. So the kids just are fantastic. Maria's fantastic. I had issues with Captain Von Trapp. Ah. Michael Hayden plays him, and he is a New York stage actor who has been Tony nominated for Judgment at Nuremberg and starred Which is in, a play and not a musical. Right. And also, uh, he was on Broadway in the latest revival of All My Sons. So he does have dramatic cap. He's known he for has the gravitas. Right. But he does not fit Captain Von Trapp. And I know everybody's going to compare every Captain Von Trapp to Christopher, Christopher Plummer. Plummer, but which is unfair comparison. But, and far be it for me to mention somebody's, but he is not imposing or dashing, which is uh, what you expect Captain Von Trapp to be. But also, this is really strange. His clothes did not fit him this is a rare misfire for the muni's costume shop his suits were ill-fitting 
and it was very obvious. And also he seemed tentative on stage sometimes. And I don't know what was going on. I'm not privy to the backstory here. I don't know if he was ill, if he had, uh, he, if he was unprepared or, or he didn't uh, jive with, with everybody, but it's, very obvious that he and Maria don't have much spark there. And so that took me, he was, to me, he was distracting, but then I noticed those things and other people I'm sure were just really happy. Now this production, as they all do this summer at the Muni have understudies. Mm -hmm. So, and that is because of COVID just in case right. somebody has to quarantine or, or contact trace or yes, whatever. And whatever. So they do have that. Now the local people that are stalwarts of every season of the Muni are just fine. Mm -hmm. And Jenny Powers, you have seen her so many yeah. times at the Muni. She is Elsa and she's so tall and elegant and glides across the stage and she and John Shear who's another Muni favorite he's the funny guy he was right. in Kinky Boots as the accountant dude okay he plays Max. Max so Max and Elsa are just pros they get through everything are they smoking on stage or have they gotten rid of that they got rid of that okay which is nice because we have a lot of kids in the audience. Well, and, and also there are a lot of kids on stage. In fact, one of my neighbors is, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to out her, but one of my neighbors is one of the Von Trapp kids. So, and congratulations to everyone. But I, I you know what? I will say her name, Abby Hogan. I think she's playing Marta. Uh, yeah. She's, she's my neighbor and she and my daughter have carpooled to school together. And well, Oh, well, she's, they're all just, those kids are just charming and they're pros. They're just crisp and snappy and very, uh, they, they blend well as an ensemble. The ensemble, I will say the audience was so into this that by the time Mother Abbas, who is wonderfully played by Brianna Marie, is it Palmer? Oh, I just climb totally every mountain though, Lynn, climb every mountain. Yeah, it's Climb Every Mountain, and she just hits that glory note, and people stood up. This is a Muni audience. People leapt to their feet at it before intermission to give her a standing note. Good. Which was great. And then before the curtain call starts, like right when the, right when the nuns come out for the curtain call, everybody stood up. People were just cheering. And then when Maria comes out, thunderous applause and cheers well you can't have a good sound of music if you don't have a good maria no so people love this show even though i have seen a bad annie on a good annie show <laughs> right but it's it's very comforting i think because people are just so familiar with it and they they know it and they love it and uh it's just it's it brought a lot of joy to people the other night and i'm sure the audiences uh in not just opening night but i'm sure people are really enjoying it yes so there were some there was some news that you wanted to let people know about like mtv turning 40 and they played nothing but ridiculous all day um that the south park deal which i am a partial fan of i'm a partial fan of them doing um the the seasons i'm having i'm a fan of them doing the seasons but i don't know about these movies 
because the movies are all going to be on Paramount Plus, and I don't have Paramount Plus, and I really enjoyed the South Park uh, Bigger, Longer, and Uncut, which I thought was really well done. And I love South Park, but if they're going to do 14 movies and they're going to put them all on Paramount Plus, that is a deal breaker for me because I'll never see them. I know. Well, I have enjoyed so much their specials on HBO Max. They were nominated for an Emmy for their pandemic special. And I have told everybody to watch the South Park with a Q vaccination special because I laughed from start to finish. That just gave me such. I love South South Park in the last 25 years is the most biting social commentary and they skew both you think once you think you have them pegged they will skew the other side just as mercilessly and i'm fine with that i think it's great because you know what both sides need to just take a step back and make fun of themselves because i enjoyed that yes well they're gonna go to season 30 right which is remarkable is it season 30 or is it 30 years because i think it's 30 years because there have been there have been long lags between seasons I was one of those mothers that let my kids watch it. Well, you're a bad mom, then. Don't let your children watch South Park. You're and... not a bad mom, Lynn, but that was <laughs> not necessarily the best choice for you. Well, they were a little older. Okay. It uh, wasn't behind... like they were little, little. They were right. older. They were. Hey, look, mi- animation's on, kid. Watch <laughs> this. Oh, here's Cartman and, getting an anal probe. All right. And, I, and I've always had a fondness for Cartman. And then once you see the Book of Mormon and you hear Cartman's voice. Right. It's just, which is uh, Trey Parker, right? Or Matt Stone, the creators. Well, they, they do all the voices except the female voices. All right. Also, Joe Buck's going to be on Jeopardy next week, even though it seems that they always had somebody in mind. Somebody that lost a lawsuit on the Price is Right for firing a pregnant model. But hey, let's let's put him as Jeopardy. And that is the executive producer, Mike Richards. How did that happen? Well, everyone everyone is saying that he would probably be better suited for taking over for Pat Sajak when he retires from Wheel of Fortune, not necessarily Jeopardy. And they knew that if they put LeVar Burton on and Joe Buck, that they would get publicity all the way, even though it was probably preordained that Mike was going to get the job. Even oh. though even though they had Ken Jennings do it first while they got all their ducks in a row. Yes, well, people really liked LeVar Burton. And, yeah, but uh, they always, but Mike was always in the top five. And so it's okay. Right. Well, uh, it, after Alex Trebek, people are going to have issues no matter what, because that's what happens. That's what happens. People have certain image and stuff. Uh, just FYI, the Paper Tiger starts on Netflix August 7th, which yes. is tomorrow. And then Behind the Music has reappeared, but it's, it's on Paramount Plus, just like you oh, were talking about. I don't have Paramount Plus. I, I don't, don't have, have to Plus. get. I don't want to have to get more streaming services. And this is just driving me crazy, all these different ones. But I loved the original Behind the Music that was on VH1. I watched in its heyday. I watched every episode. Yeah, they, and- were, they were so uh, formula. And so at the half hour point, you knew that's when they reached their darkest point. And then, then they, it also depends on when it ends and when it was created, because like, even if they have like 10 successful albums after that episode had aired, you still, you nine times out of 10 left on a happy note, unless they passed away. 
That that was the thing. Unless they, because you always end the behind the music with a happy note. And like the LL Cool J one is just a repackage of the one that they did originally. So yes. I don't know what they're doing. I know they just have they have new ones with Ricky Martin and LL Cool J. Yeah, but, but Ricky Martin is also a repackage of the one they did. It's just updated. Right. Do they have the same guy doing the voiceovers? I don't know. I because I, that voice. He's in one episode. I remember like he produced one episode. I, I think it might have. Uh, I want to say it's the Selena episode that he is actually on camera doing doing the voiceover on camera. So he was fantastic. I don't know if it's the same voice or not. I mean, if they're repackaging in them, I don't know why you wouldn't use the same guy. Right. Well, for people that never watched it before, I guess this is a good thing. But no, back in the day, that was what you watched on Sunday nights. That mm -hmm. was besides HBO. Now uh, we have Modern Love starting next Friday. I'm so excited. Okay, Second so season. Is it going to be the same characters? Because the poster that they have has like Tina Fey and John Slattery on it. And so I is it brand new anthologies or is it are we revisiting the same people from last time i don't know i don't know and they're not telling but we uh but we do know that john carney's an executive producer and one of the creators and he is one of our favorite directors because yes. he did not only once but, but begin sing again and sing street so i Those last two I, movies are yes in gems people know about once but they need to see begin again and sing street and i wish Hey, Sing Street might be coming to town soon. Yeah, well, I am so enamored with this series because it's got clever writing and great performances. The first, go back and watch season one. The first episode with Kristen Milati is mm -hmm. is really good. But then Dev Patel's second one is great. And then, as you said, the one with Tina Fey and John Slatter is really good. And so they just have this crisp writing and it's all set in New York and mm -hmm. it's couples and it's real life. And it's, it's just, no, it's not real life. It's, it's still scripted. It's not, like I it's know, reality. but you know what I'm saying? It's like that realistic, like they're not all living in the friend's apartment, you know, right. it's realistic about how they live. The Anne Hathaway one, I believe she was nominated for an Emmy for that oh, last year. So good in that episode. Oh yeah. Great. And uh, Dev Patel was nominated too. And uh, so, yeah, it, that was last year's Emmys. This year's Emmy are September 19th and that really should be interesting uh, you can get on Netflix now one of the uh, greatest series of all time and people who were aficionados of this loved it Friday Night Lights with Emmy winner Kyle Chandler Yes. And Connie and Britton. Britton. Mm -hmm. And a whole host of boys that went on to successful film careers Jesse Plemons Mhm mm uh, Taylor Kitsch didn't do so well yet. Garrett Hudland. Um, I'm just, I'm blanking on the kids, but they, they're all notables and it's so well-written, but Kyle Chandler as the coach is masterful. Now, would you suggest that they watch the movie first? I don't think so. I don't think so. I mean, I, this is weird, but I've watched the movie in pieces, mm -hmm. but I could understand it's the life of a football coach in Texas. It is his family story, but it's also his career on the gridiron. And I, I what else do you need to know? It's well, based on the book, uh, because uh, football is a religion in Texas. Mm -hmm. so, it's, 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 it's 
the movie was directed by uh, Peter Berg, and he was one of the uh, developers of this show. It's by H.G. Bissinger, who wrote the who wrote uh, a book about the Cardinals. Oh, he, that's he right. The, Buzz Bissinger wrote the book about um, Tony La Russa. That's right. I knew that name was familiar. Uh, so I don't know, but um, I TV right now, especially the streaming, if you are just wanting to, because now with the Delta variant, if people aren't going out as much, there's some wonderful things to watch. Now, Channel 9, I get it as an an app on my tv mm-hmm. and i can stream it so i don't i'm not tied to watching something at 8 p.m right i can get it and they have their classic album series uh, they're doing fleetwood mac rumors oh the as as wayne and garth said everybody in the 70s everybody had that it was mailed to them <laughs> everybody had everybody had it and then it's just so good i know most people know the backstory now by now because that was of course a behind the music but Mm -hmm. it's it's all for those who are just new to it how about louis ck going back on the road carl yeah i was looking to see if he was coming to st louis and right now they don't have any of the they they say it's going to be certain days and certain so many nights I cannot see where they're, they're not releasing where he's going yet. They've mentioned a couple of clubs, but they've not mentioned if he's all of the dates or all of the cities yet. Cause I was curious to see if not find that information. Huh? Well, uh, the I, and I've seen Louis CK. He was one of the first people that wouldn't let you bring phones to, uh, to the show and you know why that was because he didn't want people videotaping the things that he was doing he also doesn't give out press tickets no no and he uh, he appeared after his fall from grace he did do a pop-up show basically at westport where they didn't have his name on the marquee at funny bone uh they had it in a piece of paper on the box office that said and how i know this is because i was at the westport playhouse for avenue q ah. and i saw this little handwritten note on the box office louis ck sold out and hmm. so he sold out the funny bone in two nights and it was not promoted huh. So there's for that. Well, one of the local things besides Sound of Music, I saw art at Straight Dog oh, did Theater. You? How was which, it? yes, it was very good. Ben Ritchie, Stephen Pyrick, and Jeremy Goldmeyer. And uh, I forget that you don't know Jeremy from his days at the rep as the PR head, but he's fantastic in this. And it is outside. There's only 40 seats. I sat in my little pod, like Gary was telling us last week. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is a play that tests friendships. And so it's very interesting. It's only 90 minutes. It's uh, uh, one of, now Saturday night is already sold out, but this is going to run on Thursday through Saturdays till the, um, for another two weeks. And right. you can go to straydog.org, straydogtheater.org. Uh, Theater, R-E. Not yeah. E-R, R-E. Right, and, and book book your uh, tickets. But because it's outside, uh, you know, that's a win. Speaking of outside, St. Louis Shakespeare Festival is doing a wonderful thing in the month of 
August. They started and they're going to 24 total public parks and they are presenting a 90 minute version of Othello. And Jason Little, who was in the King Lear, and you would remember him, he mm-hmm. is Othello. And then they have a, a cast of uh, six people total, m- mostly uh, local actors who are very good. And they're going to a different park throughout the Metro East Air and uh, Metropolitan St. Louis area every night. Nice. Through, yeah. And so I'm going to the Bellevue Park because Belleville, I want to support them bringing it to my hometown. And uh, they're in Tower, they were in Tower Grove Park the other night. They're going to be in uh, O'Fallon, Missouri. They're going to be uh, Cherokee Street Park tonight. There is a whole list. If you go to stlshakes.org, mm-hmm. you have the whole list of parks and right. you'll see if it's near you, but they're all over, all over. And that is one of, it's free. No tickets or reservations are required. They ask you to bring a chair or a blanket and you can bring a picnic. So isn't that fun? That's nice. I like that. Yeah. And uh, another, another local shout out, David Sandusky. He is the owner of the Beast Craft Barbecue yes. that started in Belleville and is now in the Grove and has a, a Southern kitchen in Columbia, Illinois. He is among the final four in Barbecue Brawl, which is on Monday nights at eight. The final two episodes are this Monday, August 9th. Mm-hmm. And it is uh, eight o'clock is this, I guess, the semifinal because they whittle it down to the th- final three. Right. And then the 9 p.m. is the master of the Q. final. Yes. And so he's been on Michael Simon's team. He's been doing very well. And uh, it's very competitive because these are barbecue uh aficionados from all over the United States and they have great chef skills and they have time limits and the judges are very hard. So a shout out to him. He was just named chef of the year by feast magazine. Oh, nice. Yeah. So that's all I got today, Carl, you got anything else? I have nothing else. Um, it's going to be, even though it's going to get warmer, but there are still a lot of living to do in the summer here in St. Louis. Um, Lots of concerts coming up, lots of um, sporting events, and people are getting back to normal, even though they should not necessarily be getting out as much. No, well, we're going to start seeing uh, people require vaccination cards. And I have a little tip. Take your card and copy it. Don't use your real card, because what if you got to go back for a booster shot? Take it. Or, Or... Take a picture on your phone and then you have it. Oh, that's true. But this one, uh, Office Office Depot will laminate your vaccine card for free. Yeah, don't do that. I, I'm hearing that you should not do that. Oh. Because okay. in case you do need like more, then you can't do anything because it's. Well, no, laminated. not the real. Don't do the real one. I'm saying take a take a copy. And oh, get the okay. copy. I'm saying take a copy uh, and get that laminated because you don't want to mess with your real one because I mean your original because like I said, what if you got to get a booster? What if you you need to write on it and you can't? So right. yeah, that's what I'm. That's what I am doing. And also, 
um, next week, I'm excited because we get to talk about a movie we've already seen and the embargo lifted August 5th. So uh, we're going to talk about Free Guy. Very good movie. I can't wait to talk about it. I know. We're going to have fun. And then one of the best movies of the year, Coda, uh, which won a bunch at Sundance. And I'm excited about that. So we're going to have pretty good. Oh, and then the movie with John David Washington on Netflix, Beckett. Oh. It's a mystery. It starts next Friday. So August 13th, we're going to have quite the lineup. Well, I'm going to have to watch Coda then soon. Yeah. All right. Everyone have a good time and please be safe. Please be safe. Wear a mask. Get vaccinated. Let's all in this. uh, Let's do this together. And uh, so long, Carl. Have a good weekend. You too.